the bread of brokenness, the wine of grace, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Our hearts long for communion with the one whose glory overshadows every joy, every fear, every act of contrition and amazement. The broken bread. The red blood washing away, cleansing, forgiving, renewing, like rivers of hope flooding through the dry field of our helplessness. Wash us, Jesus. As we move into a state of repentance, we've seen a glimpse of his majesty, and we've experienced his fellowship in the furnace of suffering, and also in the bliss of worship. But we want so much more. So Lord Jesus, Son of God, architect of infinity, ageless wonder of mercy, as we approach these elements, of the bread and the cup. We are saying yes to you. Yes to your holy purpose. Yes to your spirit. Yes to the cross. Which is bigger and wider and stronger and deeper and louder and longer than anything this broken world could offer. We want so much more. So as we call for more of you, we hear you calling for more of us. And such is the element of communion. May we waste our lives in a reckless pursuit of you. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Mile Straight. We're so glad you're here. If you would, please reach into your bulletin and take your study guide out. Grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack. Today we enter into something that is vitally important to the church. It's so important that we set our calendar a year ahead of time planning these times out. We try to do this once a quarter. Obviously, we don't always succeed. Sometimes things happen that prevent it. But we want to make sure that this has a degree of importance placed upon it. It's another reason why this takes place on Sunday morning and not Sunday evening or Wednesday evening. Because we want everyone to have the opportunity to be involved. And obviously today we're coming to the matter of the Lord's Supper, what some people call communion. It's the same thing. You may be sitting there thinking, okay, well you say it's important, but why is it important? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? Is it important for me to take the Lord's Supper? Why should we? Well, the Apostle Paul answers that question pretty clearly in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I would like to walk us through that. And let me ask you to do something. We're not going to be in this study very long before we move on to the next step. But what I would like for you to do is to not put your notes away. I know the temptation is once you finish the fill-ins, then man, they've got to go away. But I'm going to ask you to add at least one more thing to your notes before we're done. Okay, so please don't put them away once the fill-ins have been completed. So why should we take the Lord's Supper? Well, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, number one, this is your first fill-in, it is to remind us of His broken body. We're obviously talking about the Lord Jesus, to remind us of the broken body of Jesus Christ. 
Now Jesus, in spelling this out, the Apostle Paul is repeating the words of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. says, I want this to be a memorial for me. I want this to be a time of remembering what I have done on your behalf. I want it to be a time when you remember my broken body. Paul tells us, in verses 23 and 24, you see those on your study guide. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I can imagine the disciples sitting there with Jesus on that evening listening to him talk. And I can imagine that they were a little curious as to what he was referring to when he took and broke the bread. I mean, it was a very visual illustration of something that would be done to Jesus Christ. And even though Jesus had warned the disciples that this time was coming, even though he had told them that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, that he would be abused and mistreated, that he would be crucified on the cross, even though he had told them they failed to understand it, they failed to grasp what Jesus Christ was telling them. And so now as he takes them to this time and he says, what's this, guys? And he breaks the bread. He said, this is something I want you to do to remember my broken body. I can imagine that they were so filled with wonder. What are you talking about, Jesus? The symbolism here is real. We see what you're showing us, but what do you mean? You're, you're God. This isn't going to happen to you. Why would you say that you're going to be broken? They missed the understanding. Certainly for us, we're on the other side of it now. It's already taken place. So we have a better understanding of what to expect. We have a better understanding of the fact that Jesus was beaten. He was, he was slapped. His beard was plucked from his face. He was spat upon. And eventually he was nailed to the cross. We have an understanding of exactly what Jesus Christ went through. How his body was broken. Not his bones, but his body was broken in many different ways for us that day. We come to an understanding of the significance of what God is showing us. And in this process, God says, I want you specifically to remember something. Not generically, not generally. I want you specifically, when you come to this time of taking the Lord's Supper, to remember the brokenness of Jesus Christ. But not only that, number two, it's also to serve us as a reminder of His shed blood. Number two, it's to remind us of His shed blood. In the same way, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, in the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of of me. Jesus was saying, once again, I want you to specifically remember something. I don't want this to be a general understanding or a general time when you focus on the cross necessarily, but what I want you to focus on when you take the cup is I want you to focus on the blood that was poured out, spilled out, shed for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood. 
The blood was given not as just a means of death, but the blood was given as a means of paying the price of what we had done in rebellion to God. His blood was given so that we might be declared righteous before God, so that we might stand before Him holy and purified, so that we might be forgiven. And Jesus said, when you do this, I want you to specifically remember the blood that I have shed. I want you to remember my dying love for you in giving my life's blood so that you might be forgiven. Specifically, not for everyone, but I want you to remember what I have done for you individually. And so it is to serve to remind us of his broken body. It's to serve to remind us of his blood that was shed on the cross for us. And number three, he said, I want you to do this to remind us of his burden that he carried. The burden that Jesus Christ carried. And what was the burden? You know, the unthinkable happened to Jesus that day. The perfect Son of God, who had never known rebellion, who had never experienced the weight of sin and guilt upon him, had the sin not of a few people, but the sin of the entire world taken and placed upon him. Can you imagine? I understand the weight of my own sin. I understand the, the conviction that it brings. I understand the problems that come as a result of my own sin. But could you imagine having the guilt and the shame and the sin of the world placed upon you? I can't imagine that. But there that day on the cross of Calvary, the sin of the world was placed upon the perfect Son of God. God now draws us to a place where he says, I want you to understand the seriousness of what is about to take place. That this, this is not something that you should enter into lightly or flippantly. But it should be done with deep reverence. With a deep understanding of what has been done on your behalf. You can rest assured that God takes this seriously. And just as God views it with such seriousness and expects the same from us, we had better respond even as God is directing us right now with the reverence and the memory and the thankfulness of what God has done on our behalf. I tried to put myself in the position of God. Now, not in the means of trying to be God by no means, but just to get an understanding of the way God sees this. And I thought about it like this, maybe in a way that you can relate. In fact, what I wish you would do is I wish you would put yourself in this scenario. I wish this would be your story for the next few minutes. That you take this to heart. You put yourself here. You buy into it. You own this story because I'm talking specifically to you right now. There was something going on in the town that somehow your child was aware of. And if it was carried out, the entire town would die from it. 
But somehow your child saw it and in an act of bravery that you didn't know your child possessed, stepped in, prevented it from happening, but sadly in the process, your child died so that the town might live. The people of the city, understanding what had taken place, came to you with broken hearts, shedding tears over your loss and over the gratitude of what was done on their behalf. And they said, we want to do something for you. What, what can we do? Help us know what can we do. And it seemed that they would have done anything for you in that moment. But the only thing you asked was, I just want you to put up a memorial for my child in the park so that what my child did will never be forgotten. I want you to put up the memorial so people can come by and remember and tell their children, tell their grandchildren what has taken place so that my child will always be remembered. The town obliged. They were so happy to do that. They were so happy to set up the memorial and they did. It was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful to look at. People would come to the memorial and they would shed tears over the memory of your child. They would shed tears for that harm that you had experienced in that moment. But it wasn't very long until people stopped coming as regularly. And eventually they stopped coming at all to the memorial. It no longer meant that much to them. Time had passed. They had forgotten before much longer, it was that it was no longer viewed as a memorial, but something that was used for recreation. The kids would use it as a skateboard ramp. and Adults would come with their lunch and use it as a coaster for their drinks. And their drinks would spill on it. And the garbage would fall on the ground and they would just leave it there. What used to be a beautiful memorial was now more than a, nothing more than a rubble of trash now I want you to think with me for a second that was your child that was your grandchild how would you respond to what the townspeople had done As I thought about that, even though it's a completely made-up story, what crossed my mind was anger. That I would want to verbally communicate in as clear a way as possible with the townspeople that what they had done was not right. What they were doing was completely wrong. And so here we have God who did not owe us a thing and yet willingly allowed his son to die in our place. And he said, now here's what I want from you. I want you to set up a memorial. And I want you to remember with respect what my son has done on your behalf. And with the bread that you will take, I want you to remember his broken body. 
with the cup that you will drink, I want you to remember His shed blood. I want you to be reminded because you are so prone to forget. Isn't that the case? And yet the Apostle Paul indicates that there were people who were entering into this time of memory, this time of reminding with the less than pure heart, with the less than pure attitude. That they were entering into it in what he calls a, a manner that was not pleasing to God. In fact, the verses you see listed on your study guide, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 32. Paul says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner or an irreverent manner without regard for the one who is sacrificed will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep, many have died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may be, not be condemned with the world. So God lays it out for us that this is very serious business. And we're now entering into a time that should be viewed with deep reverence, with deep gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done in our behalf. And so what do we do with this information? I think that it ought to be obvious that we enter into a time of self-examination. That we enter into a time of examining our own lives. Is my life right with God? Is there unconfessed sin in my life? What's my reason for taking the Lord's Supper today? Is it just because everybody else is doing it or to fulfill some religious obligation? Why am I doing this? To examine our lives, to examine our motives, and to deal with those things. Even as the Apostle Paul said, if we would judge ourselves, God would not have to judge us. So today we come to the place of self-examination. I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to enter into a very quiet, reverent time with God. And you deal with what's in your life just as I had to deal with what's in my life. For those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to give you a special invitation. That as everyone else bows their head and closes their eyes, if you'd like to know more about Jesus, just be introduced to what He did for you on the cross of Calvary. Then I invite you just to come and meet me right here at the front. Just, just quietly get up, make your way to the aisle that's closest to you, and just come and meet me. 
Not to be embarrassed, not to have your name called out, but just simply to be introduced to God's plan of salvation for you. If you'd like to know more about that, as everyone else now bows your head and closes your eyes, while they're doing business with God, would you also, would you get up and come and meet me? I'll be right here at the front.